whether there was going to be a light moment <laughs> to read this and ask for a little bit better explanation. Um, I got this email this morning, and I'm having a little trouble with the last sentence in it, so maybe you guys can help me out a little bit. I could use some more volunteers, male or female, hair or bald, a wig or toupee, short or tall, wolf or ram or blue devil, or hokey or other, Republican or Democrat or independent or libertarian or unregistered, sinner, uh, uh, sinner, just let me know if you can stand up and serve food and drink for several hours on a beautiful spring day. What's that last part for? Well, yeah, I read that. <laughs> <laughs> I meant spell drink, not... Uh, I th I th okay, that just helps a little bit. It just said drink for several hours yeah. on a nice spring day. day yeah. So You need to look at what time you think it. <laughs> just, just messing with you. <laughs> it made me smile this morning. usually delete his messages before reading them. <laughs> Just a page one here. I am um, usually blessed every Sunday, but was especially blessed last Sunday. Um, just um, listening to some of the prayers that were prayed out during worship. Um, for, I guess for us as, as eldership to hear these kind of prayers spoken out, but then also know that they're the prayers of people's hearts is such a blessing. Um, we want to go deeper. Thank you, Pat. That was for you. Uh, Wow, to have a prayer like that to cry out of church's heart is um, what a blessing, you know. I want to know you more. I love you so much. I'll always love you. Carla, thank you for praying that. Um, and there were unspoken prayers that we didn't hear that God heard. And he loved the people that's devoted to him. What a blessing to be in a, in a church that really wants to move forward. And church is not just church on Sunday, but church is every day, walking with, walking with Christ. Um, it's, it's been interesting this year. We have um, kind of continued our detailed and extended study of Philippians, um, of Joshua, uh, of Kings. Thank you, Greg. And then we've really looked very briefly at the book of Psalms, which is the longest book, and the book of Job, which is the oldest book. And uh, then at the whole book, Greg gave the message last week about the Word of God and just how true and unchanging and valid it is uh, was really a great message to just remind us, you know, all Scripture is inspired. Uh, and sometimes we need to remember that when we run across places that don't quite understand what they're saying or it seems to be a contradiction or whatever, 
in the wisdom of God, he has preserved it. And we use fallible people to keep it true and to make it altogether good. It's interesting today, I, I, um, I remember the thing that Bill was saying last Sunday about um, people's feelings. I thought you were going to start preaching on people's feelings. That was just how some people in the world today, many people in the world today think that people's feelings should rise above the truth of God uh, and that it should matter as much or on a higher plane. And what was interesting is I left church and then had lunch with my son, Tim, who was, we had some really good conversations, but he was just say, bemoaning the fact of how hard it is to talk to young people today when there's no moral absolutes. Mm -hmm. It's just, there's, there's no ground to start from. Uh, and so those particular things, it's a part of our culture. It's where we live. And like you were saying, it's a time to be prepared to kind of learn how to field that kind of question uh, and, and, and deal with people with it. Um, I, this morning, kind of want to go to the opposite side of what uh, Roger was talking about a couple of weeks ago when he spoke out of Joshua, if you remember, about um, the two tribes or three tribes of Israel that camped on the other side of the Jordan, built an, built an altar, and uh, the whole nation of Israel misjudged their motives. And, you know, we talked about misjudging and, pre and, and having preconceived um, ideas of what people are doing and why they do it. Today we're going to kind of look at the whole other side of that, of it being actually being wrong as a believer and what is one of the proper, one of the many proper responses to that. <coughs> so we're going to be looking at um, one of Paul's shortest writings. Uh, it's the book of Philemon. It's only one chapter. I thought about asking you guys to read it um, before you came, but sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So um, interesting little book uh, in light of what Greg was sharing last week about the stringent requirements for a book to be canonized. Uh, you gave what, like five or six reasons or criteria that, that the early fathers kind of worked through to, to have a book canonized. And here we have a, a, a personal letter, a private letter to an individual that is made it into the Bible. Well, why in the world? I mean, Paul probably wrote lots of private letters, lots of the apostles probably wrote private letters. But this particular one is in the Bible. Now, why is that? Why was this particular one passed the test to be in the Bible? Well, we're going to look at some of the, the, the things that we can glean from this particular letter to an individual today. Um, one of the things I wanted to do is just kind of, before we read it, just recount of the main players in the letter. There's the writer, which is Paul. Paul, if you remember, was the uh, apostle to the Gentiles. He was an ambassador to reach the Gentiles, commissioned by God himself. At the time he wrote this letter, he was in prison in Rome. That's, that's everybody's best guess. Some people say Ephesus, but 
most people will believe it was Rome. So he, we have Paul writing from prison as a prisoner in Rome to a man named Philemon. Philemon was um, um, a Gentile who had been converted under Paul's ministry uh, when Paul was ministering in Ephesus. Uh, he hosted a house church, mm -hmm. just like Chris, mm -hmm. uh, in Coloss. He, by all means, was considered uh, in that day to be somewhat wealthy because he had a house big enough for people to get into. Um, and he was also wronged by one of his slaves. So this is a, the writer is Paul, the recipient is Philemon, and the reason for the letter is a guy named Onesimus. Onesimus was the property of Philemon. He was a slave. He'd run away because he had stolen something from his master. And uh, in some circumstance, he also was converted under Paul's ministry, remained with Paul, and was useful to Paul. And one of the things that I think a lot of times we miss when we uh, read this letter is he's the one that took the letter back to Philemon. He was the bearer of the letter. So imagine um, you've committed something that is really, back then, in the Old Testament and in Roman law, a slave was punished by death. And you're taking this letter back hoping something other than death will await you. So, you know, we, we've looked at a lot of words this year. We've looked at the word repent and remember and listen and uh, believe and all those words they have, uh, there's a, there, they, they command a response. And so take care how you listen today. Um, you can listen, uh, you know, from a detached kind of place or you can listen through the heart of Paul. You know, if you find yourself in a place where you are one that you feel like God's put you in a place of trying to reconcile a couple of people, maybe you should listen to this through the heart of Paul. If you've been wronged, maybe you should listen to it as though you're Philemon. If you have wronged someone and it's yet to be reconciled, um, maybe listen to it as an estimate. But don't listen to it as an academic that parses, <laughs> parses words and phrases. There's enough of those written out there for us to use up our time. So whatever God's using this little letter for to speak to you, um, let him speak to you. You know, Today's not a day to harden our hearts. Um, and what's important is, is what he's putting his finger on in each of our lives. Very much what... Um, Julie, you were praying earlier that you know we would hear what the Lord would have to say, and so um, I'm going to read through it, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Appia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith 
sympathy you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while that you might have him back forever no longer as a slave, as a bondservant but more than a bondservant as a beloved brother especially to me but how much more to you both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. To say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. <coughs> yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Papyrus, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends his greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. I'd like to write letters like that. <laughs> Every word phrase perfect, perfect timing, perfect place where it is. Um, I first started looking at this um, as part of the tail end of a Crossroads teaching, which we did on refreshing uh, a month or so ago, and um, it really led me to, to kind of dig deeper into, into this little letter. Um, it's just so much here. There are at least five or ten messages that you could you could make out of this. Is three hundred thirty-five words in the Greek. And uh, there's just volumes and volumes written about it, which, I mean, anything that comes from eternity must take eternity to explain it or to understand it. Um, but Paul here, what's interesting, he just starts out, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. 
Now, Paul was a prisoner. He was in a he was in a Roman jail, but that was inconsequential. He was a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and that overruled any circumstance that he found himself in. I mean, that's pretty incredible. Wouldn't you like to live your life on that kind of plane when when those difficulties come along? I, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Oh, something else is going on, you know. So he starts out and he um, addresses in this greeting. He addresses Philemon, um, you know, and he, which is in many of his letters, uh, is talks about grace and peace. The other two people, Appia and Archippus, um, most people believe they were that that was his wife and a family member because a letter like this this private wouldn't really be written to someone outside the family yet at the same time it's addressed to all the people in the church so at some point uh, it must have been read openly to the church themselves Um, but the whole letter is um, there's so many different themes of thought in it depending on where you're coming from if you if you are a leader or you're a person that is trying to reconcile somebody there's such a style here of the way to go about doing it Uh, here's a pattern if you're trying to get two people to come together particularly if they're both believers this is a pattern of how to do it notice that Onesimus name is not mentioned until at least halfway through the letter so the whole first part of it is a is a is a matter of um, embracing, you know, and encouraging Philemon in the work that he's about, recognizing who he is, uh, and stating who he is to Paul the writer. Um, you know, and it says here, um, it talks about his love and his faith which is the opposite of how those two things come into your life. We're talking about Christian love, agape love. Faith comes first, and then comes love. But in this particular thing, Paul lists love first, because that's what he's wanting to see operating in Philemon's life, is love. And that's what he's calling him to. Um, And then finally, you know, he, he... he takes this position of, look, I really am a spiritual authority here. I'm an apostle, recognized as such, and you know, I can just I can just command you to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, there 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 are a number of ways that you can lead people. You can lead from a place of power and position, authority. Um, you can lead from a place of relationship. Paul had both with this guy. It makes a difference, you know, how you're going to talk with somebody about reconciling. Do you have a relationship with them? Or is it a situation where there, there's a position and authority you have, you've got to deal with it? And Paul had both in this case. The easy thing would be to say, this is what you're going to do, Philemon. But he chose another way. He, he chose the way of relationship. He chose the way of love and acceptance. Speaking to Philemon is his brother, 
you know, someone that encouraged and refreshed him <coughs> because he saw his life uh, at work among the church there in Colossus. And so th- he laid aside the, the right to be authoritative, to use his position and the, and the spiritual authority that he had, and took the tack of relationship, the fact that he loved and accepted Philemon. And, and on that basis, then he makes this appeal for Onesimus. Um, the letter really kind of is lighthearted in tone for such a serious thing. I mean, we're talking about a man's life, you know, here. Um, and the word Onesimus means profitable or useful. And so he uses this little play on words when he says that he was useless because he was unprofitable. He stole something. He did something. He defrauded his master, and then he ran away. So um, he uses kind of a play on his words, uh, on his name, uh, in this particular phrase where he talks about the fact that he was useless to you, but now is indeed useful, which really now he is living out his name. Not only is he useful to Philemon, which Philemon obviously has yet to see that at this point in the letter, but Paul reinforces that, that he was useful to Paul. So there's the connection where the relationship between Philemon and Paul, Philemon has to consider the fact that, wow, here's a guy that set me on the, the path of truth for my life, who... who now I am redeemed in Christ, and this man is useful to him, a man that was useless to me. And so he goes on and, and then asks him, um, you know, eventually asks him, can he come and be with me because he's useful to me? But Paul um, knows that he needs to send him back. Now, this is what's interesting about this particular letter. This letter was used by both sides of the people that fought the Civil War as a basis for their argument. Because Paul doesn't condemn slavery. He sends the man back. He didn't keep him. So the people that were for slavery used that as a basis and totally missed the fact that what he's calling him to is a higher law and a recognition that the man is equal before God, just like Philemon is. So, you know, we're on the other side of the Civil War now, but it's, it's interesting how you, you can be, a, even believers on both sides were using this, this as, a, as a, one of their case texts to uphold their belief on slavery. So, um, it just shows how the Lord has to work with us as we grow in him to open our eyes to, to truths. Um, hopefully not so many that are this easily seen, but I just want to encourage you to continue to read the word. It, it unfolds itself to the end of our days until we see him face to face. Um, you know, he goes on in this particular um, verse, and says, look, I'm going to send him back to you. But I really would like to get him back. It would be really your ministry to me to 
if I could have him back. But Philemon's got to make this decision to do that. You know, he's got to forgive him, and he's got to release him. Um, and by every right in that culture, <coughs> and even in the Bible at that particular time in the Old Testament, he was viewed. He could punish him. He could. He could extract, and still be right in the law. And so this particular letter is such a great example of the, the difference between law and grace. You know, I think it's in Hebrews it says, mercy overcomes judgment. And Paul just lays it out for Philemon. Here it is. Are you going to take the high road and see him for who he is? A brother in the flesh and a brother in the Lord. Um, so I think that you know we didn't we don't know for sure <coughs> from just the letter. It kind of leaves it at the end of okay. Well, well, what did Philemon do? What did he do? I wonder what he did. Um, there's a, a lot of uh, there's a couple of writings that Ignatius wrote a letter on his way to Rome to be martyred to um, someone, and he named Onesimus as a bishop in, in Ephesus. We don't know if it's the same Onesimus, but apparently many people think that this one whose name was profitable really was profitable to, for the kingdom of God and, and became a leader in, in, in the church somewhere. Um, there's no real proof of that at this particular point. Um, there were, let me see if I can give you some names here. Okay, in the apostolical, apostolical, how do you say it, Greg? Apostol, apostolical, apostolical, apostolical canon. Onesimus is said to have been emancipated by his master. Well, obviously you would think that love would never fail. And our, this wouldn't be canonized. So it had to have a good ending. <laughs> had to have a, a, an ending that uh, um, showed that love prevails. Um, so that's the good part. Um, so Philemon, through forgiveness, changed this man's life. Set it on a whole new path of what it would have been. Um, you think about that. You're gonna somebody. You're wronged by someone, and your mercy, your forgiveness, may be a key that unlocks and changes something in their life that so frees them up that they then become somebody very profitable for the kingdom of God. I just wonder sometimes how much unforgiveness hinders the unforgiven one in the, in the, in the spirit. I, I don't know. Pat, you may, you may have had experience with that. I, I don't know, but it's, it's something worth thinking about. I wouldn't want something like that in, you know, from me holding unforgiveness to somebody to find out later it hindered somebody else's development and walk, you know. Um, 
The other thing about this particular letter, it is a beautiful picture of the redemption. Um, if you will look at verses 17 through 19 with me. Here's Paul writing. He says, so if you consider me a partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this in my own hand. I will repay it. You say nothing of your own, even your own self. The, the thing here is Paul basically laid aside his right to order Philemon. And then he asked him, he says, Philemon, receive him as though you're receiving me. Is that not what Christ does for us before the Father? Think about that. You're standing there and Jesus says, receive him as you receive me. I mean, that's an identification of, of, of the Lord standing in the gap for us, you know? And then he goes on and he says, um, charge it to his account, I will repay it. I guess all our sins were charged to Jesus. He became sin. He became sin. I will repay it. And how was he? How, how did he repay it? He lived that perfect life. It was a perfect sacrifice, and the wrath of God was fully satisfied by what he did on the cross. One of the amazing things in Malachi: the power of the cross. You know. This little letter really shows us the transforming power of the gospel and of um, Christian love. I mean, how else, how else would the gospel have ever brought these three guys together? I mean, you've got an ex-rabbi that a Gentile shouldn't even want to be around. You've got a Gentile that would, who would ever as a Gentile go listen to a Jewish preacher be converted and then you've got a, a Gentile with a slave that's offended him that somehow they all three are reconciled and are brothers in Christ. I mean look around this room. I mean what would bring us together? except the gospel of God, you know? Um, and it takes Christian love to do what Philemon did. That's not, a, that's not a love that's just happenstance or, you know, the goodness of a person. Um, he had seen the example of Christ. He'd seen the example of Paul, and he was called to follow in that same example, and that was his opportunity. That was his opportunity 
to do the same thing when he did that. Um, it's just been interesting to, to kind of look at this letter and um, see all that's in one little one little letter that you would think uh, how can how can God pack so much <laughs> in a little private letter to somebody you know um, what else you know it shows us it shows us how to bring people into reconciliation it shows us that mercy can overcome judgment um, it shows us one way that um, society can be changed. Mm -hmm. It shows us that because the Christian people didn't attack slavery, you know, during that time, but they appealed to they appealed to people to rise to a higher law, mm -hmm. and they changed it one situation after another rather than addressing it as a cause. And, you know, we've got to learn how to do that in today's culture, you know, whether it be with homosexuality or, or whatever it is. We've got to learn how to change those things, maybe one person at a time, um, whatever, whatever our sphere of influence is. Um, just as ending, one of the things I, I want to just – do this really quick. One of the other things that uh, we talked about at Crossover about this message was um, ways that you can refresh the saints. The, the, the whole theme that weekend was being refreshed, but at the end I, I kind of put this twist on it and uh, talked about the fact that in Proverbs it says, the generous man will be prospered, and he who waters will himself be watered. So one of the ways of being refreshed is watering other people. And it's hidden in this letter as well. Um, the ways that you can do that are by loving God. That encourages people. When you look around the room and think, man, that person really loves God. You know? That should stimulate us to love and good deeds. Loving other people. So, if you don't love God, then... How can you love other people? Because the fountains of love flow from God. It's not within us to love in that way. And so loving the saints, sharing your, sharing your faith with stories of encouragement, uh, encouraging people. And we're supposed to do that every other week. Encourage one another every <laughs> other week. I think that's what Hebrews says, isn't it? Daily. We need that encouragement daily. You know. The other thing we can glean from this is that free your family members to serve in the kingdom. Sometimes that's hard. It's hard to do sometimes. But look what happened when Philemon freed Onesimus. You know, he became profitable for the kingdom of God. And lastly, what seemed like such a bold request at the end of this letter, but this is what I want you to do. And uh, by the way, get my room ready. I'm coming to see you. <laughs> I mean, what kind of relationship is that? He, he knew he was welcome in that house. It was a house that welcomed people. So make your home a, a, a place of ambassadorship, a place of, where people know that they, 
can say, can I come over? You know, they don't have to wait for an invitation. Um, I, I just really encourage you. I mean, this is just one little chapter in the Bible. So uh, if nothing else, it spurs us on to realize that we'll never troll the depths of the Bible. And so we've got something to look forward to for the rest of our life in, in reading that and understanding um, the ways of God and the thoughts of God. <coughs> so that's our prayer. Father, you are good. And it is good to just that you sit at the right hand when we're not here. It's good that you've given us your word. Father, we thank you for that. Open our hearts now and our eyes, Lord, not only to glean and understand the deep things of God that you've written and hidden for us in your word, but Lord, more than that, that we would act on it and live it out, Lord, in a way that brings glory to you. In Jesus' name.